Hi, Ron here and welcome. We love that you've come to join us here and listen to a lot of our episodes. Please help us continue with this by supporting us through either joining the Barack Center at thebarackcenter.com or joining us at the Fringe Church at thefringechurch.com and sharing and donating through those sources. And once again, thank you for joining us today. Good morning and welcome back to uh, Morning Devotions. We're in Romans 1, 24 and 25 and continuing on Paul's description of the state of the world and, and the context in which this gospel of great uh, power and joy and hope has to be preached. And uh, he's not painting a, a pretty picture at all. And he's going to keep going through to the end of chapter one and then um, put a sting in the tail in chapter two. And uh, and he's really just just giving us both barrels about where we're all starting from. So, um, yeah, chapter 1, 24. So then God abandoned them to uncleanness in their hearts, passionate, uh, overwhelming, driven desires for pleasure, desires that made them dishonor their bodies among themselves. For they are men who have exchanged the truth of God for falsehood and who worship and serve the creation more than they do the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, remember who Paul is addressing. As always, context is everything if you want to get the meaning. What did this mean for the people in Rome in the first century who read this? We've got to go there before we go anywhere else, especially when we get into some really challenging current stuff tomorrow. Paul is particularly addressing in this bit the pagan world around him. He is referencing particular practices and habits that the Romans would have been very, very familiar with. And he's really saying these are the example of the rottenness of the world in which we all share. But this is really bad. As we read these bits, remember his summary. He's addressing pagans particularly who willfully suppress the truth that struggles to be heard in their hearts and they willfully suppress it. Their senseless minds, they have thought their ways into appalling conclusions and idolatry. In this passage particularly, he gets into that. They've exchanged the truth about the immortal God for the images of mortal men. They're worshipping creation, not creator. Um, so there are two words that make sense of this passage this morning and that give us the, the flavour of it. The first, uh, the Greek word is epithermia. It means desire. Now, Aristotle described epithermia as a reaching out after pleasure. The Stoics defined it much more harshly. They said this is a reaching after pleasure that defies reason. People become animal-like, unrational, irrational, whatever the word is, as they reach for their pleasures. They are controlled by them, lusting for them, driven, must have addicted. Clement of Alexandria uh, described it as an unreasonable reaching for the things that will gratify themselves. So it's a passionate desire for forbidden pleasure. It's a thing that drives people deeper and deeper into shameful things, secret, dark, poisonous, destructive things. It's the way of life of a person who has become so completely immersed in the world that their conscience doesn't condemn them anymore 
and they are unaware of God. So that's epithumia. That's really key. You've got to understand the power of that word. He's not talking about, you know, a few bad habits. He's talking about people who have been controlled and driven by desire to go to impossibly dark and addicted places. Um, in our generation, we would probably hang mental illness tags off people who are really caught in epithumia. Now, the next word is abandon. The God abandons them to their uncleanness. Nasty, nasty truth in this. But the first thing is understand that the word abandon is not some active, you know, disgusted, angry throwing away. It's the wistful loss of someone who can do no more. It's probably like the feelings in the father as the prodigal son shot through. Well, I've done what I can. A lot of us, you know, know that in our close relationships, that sense of, well, I've got to let you go. You've got to, you're only going to do it anyway, so go. Breaks our hearts, but go. That's that's the the meaning of the word abandon. When God abandons them during uncleanness, it's not that he's happy about it, and it's not that he's not wanting them back. It's a very, very sad thing. Now, why would God abandon us to uncleanness? Well, this comes down to that whole thing about our free will. We have been given a choice to love God or not, to serve one another or not, to live in a right relationship with the world, with God, with community, with each other, with the ecology, or not. It's on us. It's at our call. What Paul is saying in this bit is you can exercise that freedom that you have in a way that just gets you further and further and further from the joy of knowing God and being in the right place in the world until ultimately you start to become enslaved in your sins. And by the exercise of your freedom, you wind up in chains. And he, he speaks in Ephesians of people who've abandoned themselves to lasciviousness. They've surrendered their lives. They've given their lives to these things. In the same way that we give our lives to Christ, we, you know, we, we're pushing forward. We're getting a bit better at it every day. We're, we're getting sharper. These guys are giving themselves to really shameful things, and they're getting better at it until they reach a point where God just says, look, you're lost, and you are lost. That's your choice, but you are lost. So abandonment is judgment. It's one of the grim facts of life that the... Um, the better we get at sinning, the easier it becomes. And the further we wander away from God, the less God seems important in the equation. It's not that God is punishing us. It's just what we are doing. And Paul says we don't have an excuse. Nature itself should be enough to cause some rising of a sense of hallelujah. That human relationships are such. We should have some moral compass simply by the nature of things. None of us have an excuse when we do this. We are bringing judgment on ourselves. And that, that has huge ramifications in this life and certainly in the one to come. So look, that's uh, enough for today. I, I went way too long yesterday, so I owe you a few minutes. Um, so the wrath, you know, that principle of bad things are going to follow this will come on the people who practice epithumia, this crazy powerful desire. So he's linking this desire with wrath, with abandonment from God, 
And of course, with Jesus, who can break the entire cycle and bring someone back to themselves, to their people and to God himself. So enough for the day. Tomorrow gets really interesting. We're going to go to one of the most controversial passages in the New Testament in our mainstream culture. And we'll spend a minute or two there. But for now, let's pray. Father, the truth is that most of us don't know epithemia. We, um, we just don't have that sort of level of, of passion in our lives, Lord. We, um, some of the folks I know have that sort of passion for God. But really, in terms of the people who are in my circle of friends, I'm finding it hard to think of anyone that I'd say is really caught in that. Lord, I thank you for the power that you have to break that in people's lives. I've seen you do it, where people have been so passionately desiring um, dreadful, sinful things, a need to validate that's so strong they become violent, a need to belong so strong that they, they become cult-like, just dreadful, dreadful passions that drive us to dreadful, dreadful places. And Jesus, I have watched as you have simply broken those things violently, powerfully, and permanently. And Lord, I'm, I'm proud to be able to say that we stand with you and that you are the chain breaker. Lord, we make these chains for ourselves and you break them for us. So Lord, thank you. But I guess today there is still a cautionary word to us. In chapter 2, Paul is going to say, you know, <laughs> you're going to be judged by your works loud and clear. God, there are things in all our lives where we can feel the slippery slope of sin. We can feel how easy it is just to give in to that attitude, that action, those words, that thought form, whatever it is. And Lord, frankly, I, I doubt very much that it's an epithumia thing for us, but it's still there. So Lord God, even where we are not very good at repentance ourselves, we pray for more grace your grace of sanctification in our lives. God, that we would develop a single-minded, single-eyed passion for Jesus, forgetting that which lies behind and striving passionately, desperately, desirously forward to capture that for which Christ captured us, this high calling. So, Lord, today, come to us, Lord. Father, where we meet people who are in epithumia, Help us to be excellent evangelists who can help them just, just when they confess their sins to us to say that can be broken and show them the way to where the power is. Make us good at that, Lord. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you, folks. Tomorrow morning, it's going to get interesting. Stay tuned. See you then. Thank you for listening to another episode. And please, don't forget to sign up to the thebarackcenter.com or thefringechurch.com and help support us so we can reach many more. Thank you again for joining us today. <laughs>